0: This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is Karen Kenninger. She's the director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled at the Library of Congress. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from listeners just like you. Find out how you can help support the show by going to circulatingideas.com/support. Karen, welcome to the show. Um, Thank you for coming on for Circulating Ideas.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Um, I wanted to start out before we get into um, what you're doing nowadays. Um, How did you get into libraries as a career? How did you get to where you are today?
1: Well, it certainly wasn't something that I planned, but it was something that I have come to love very much. I have began using this particular library system that I'm now the director of when I was seven years old. I've been blind since I was a little girl, and um, I have always loved this library and the library system, um, the National Library Service. I had the opportunity to be the librarian of the Iowa Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped from 2000 to 2008, and that just enhanced my appreciation of the program having seen it from the librarian side and then I um, took a position one step higher at the Iowa Department for the Blind to oversee the library and several other programs as a director but when this position became available I looked at it and I said this would be a fabulous way to end my career because I have such high Value for this program, and then to be able to influence it would be fabulous. So, I applied to the job and got it. That's, That's how great. I came there.
0: That's great. Um, so the before we get into the library itself, the the braille writing system has been around for 200 ish years, um, and that was a big te- that was a big step, obviously, in making text more accessible for uh, the blind and print disabled. Um, what are Absolutely. some other ways that texts are made accessible to this community?
1: In this day and age, and actually since 1934, um, recorded audio has been a tremendous boon to people who can't read print. So um, that's started in, as I said, 1934 and has, has continued since then. A lot of what we do is recorded audio. There are other ways of doing it as well. So many things are computerized these days, and there are screen reading software that will actually read what is on my computer screen so that I can um, read documents. I can manipulate programs. I can do that. I can do that with my phone. I, I use an iPhone, and I can. There's a screen reading program in it called VoiceOver. So I can use that. I use uh, other devices that have both Braille and audio output um, that is synthetic speech, which gives me, as I said, the ability to know what's on the screen and to actually manipulate a program, edit a document, all of those things. There are also uh, refreshable Braille devices, which can give me a, a Braille out, readout of what's on a computer screen or to give me a Braille that's done um, electronically of a book or something. So that's also been a tremendous boon for us Braille readers.
0: So the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled is part of the Library of Congress, um, and we'll get into specifics Mm -hmm. as we go along a little bit, but can you give listeners kind of an overview of what the NLS is?
1: Um, NLS is a national program that relies on approximately 100 network libraries around the country, and our primary goal is to provide a public library service, a free public library service, to people in the United States and U.S. citizens living abroad who can't read standard print because of a visual disability, a physical disability like Parkinson's or something, or a a reading disability like dyslexia. So we serve about 500,000 people around the country and we provide them with audio and braille materials through our network library. So at NLS In Washington, we provide the materials. We have books converted into audio and braille formats, and then we send those books to the network libraries. And the network libraries then do the circulation and the customer support.
0: So, do you all produce your own audio of all of all the books?
1: We do our own. We traditionally have done all of our own audio up until about. Three, four years ago, when we started getting access to commercial audio as well. Okay. So now we use a lot of commercial audio that the, the producers have been very kind to provide to our program. And what isn't available in commercial audio that we want to add to the program, we also still do our own recording on. Okay.
0: Um, how many items do you have in the collection and what kind of materials are available?
1: There are probably 150,000 titles in our catalog. On our download service we have about 110 or 20,000 items. Um and they run the gamut of they're all full-length books and they are not abridged. That's one thing that we've never done is abridge our books. So we have unabridged books, probably 80, 90,000 of them that are available in audio or braille formats. And they are the type of thing you would find in a public library primarily. They are, they are romances, they're adventure, they're mystery and detective stories. They're popular nonfiction. There is a tremendous collection of children's materials ranging from wee little ones with picture books and braille inside them up to you know teenage young, young adults, the whole gamut for children as well as for adults. It's the leisure reading and informational reading. Um, that you would pick up at your public library if that's where you were going.
0: And you guys, you also have a little bit a smaller collection of um, like religious texts and magazines and things like that as well.
1: We do. We have Bibles, several versions of the Bible in our collection. We have about seventy magazines that we make available. Uh, half of them in Braille and the other half in audio format um, that we circulate to our, our patrons as well. And those magazines range from Catster to the Atlantic monthly. Uh, there's a whole, you know, wide range. We've got, Oh, the New Yorker, we've got popular mechanics. We have some children's magazines, boys life and, uh, shown soup and a couple of for little tiny kids as well as some for teenagers. We have people for teens. I think we have people and, um, quite a variety of magazines. They're quite popular with with more people. Um, and then we also have, as you mentioned, we have as part of our overall collection, we do have a, a significant collection of religious um, re- religious texts, the Bible and and um, the Book of Mormon, and you know the several other landmark texts of that nature that we have. And we also have um, we have some religious fiction, we have some nonfiction that, that's you know based on religion. Um, one way or another as well.
0: Mm-hmm. The NLS also has um, musical instruction um, materials and scores. Can you talk a little bit about that collection?
1: We do. We have probably the largest Braille uh, collection of Braille musical scores in the world. We are proud of that. There's a, uh, probably twenty twenty five thousand 25,000 of them. Um, we have a mandate from Congress as part of our legislation to provide musical scores that, it, and either Braille or large print scores. Uh, and also we have instructional materials. So it's not just, you know, the, the song, but it's like the piano, how to learn the, the you know, bastions when it comes to mind um, the piano series, the teacher Jews. Um, and we also have music appreciation material. So we have some things that um are about opera or some things about about other different types of music their um, music appreciation type materials so the idea there is that we and we serve these people who use that particular part of our collection the music collection directly from washington because it's not a huge number of people and the collection is very specialized so the people that we serve with music can either download it from Bard or they can contact the NLS program and get, um, and get service that way.
0: That's fantastic. Um, how many, dif- how many different languages do you all offer materials in?
1: Our primary language obviously is English. We have a secondary effort at Spanish. Um, we do about a hundred to 150 Spanish books per year. Um, and then we also have collected material in several other languages, but in small quantities: French, German, um, some some other languages. But but there's not very much of that at this moment in time. There is new that uh, we are going to have new opportunities to collect languages or books in other languages very soon. The there's a treaty that's been passed, the Marrakesh Treaty, mm-hmm. which has allowed cross-border exchange of accessible materials for people who are print disabled, and uh, we will have the ability to go to our counterparts in other countries and um, exchange materials with them. We are working on getting all of that in place right now, so it's going to be an exciting time because we know that we have areas in the country where we need Russian, or we need Chinese, or we need Vietnamese, or we need other languages uh, for groups of people in diaspora that we don't have very much to offer at this point. So we're really looking forward to being part of that exchange.
0: Um, So we'll talk a little bit about how libraries can help out, but um, how do patrons know if they're eligible for the service, and then how can they sign up?
1: Eligibility is um, something that people would need to find out about, I think, in terms of how to know that they're eligible. If you are blind, you're eligible. If you have a vision loss that makes it difficult for you to read print, then you're eligible. Um, If you have dyslexia or another uh, reading disability of that nature, you would be eligible. And if you have a physical disability that makes it difficult or impossible for you to manage a print book, Um, if you have something like Parkinson's or stroke or, um, you know, anything that would make it hard to handle a book, And that type of a disability could be a permanent or a temporary disability as well. We we look at that as well. Um, Our people, when they sign up, do have to have certification from an authority that indicates that they are, um, they're certifying that they're eligible or that they have this disability. Um, There's a a range of people who can certify, including doctors and um, psychologists and um, at the far end of it, librarians can certify it in some circumstances and, and um, any, you know, a number of other types of people can certify, but that's what is required. There's an application that you fill out and then you get a certifying authority to sign off that says, yes, you are a person with a disability that would qualify for the service and then you send it in or and then it's processed and you're in.
0: And in addition to the materials, you also offer some equipment to patrons as well?
1: We do. We've actually designed our most, well, we've designed all of our playback equipment. But obviously our audio materials particularly need to have some way of playing them back. And we have designed a playback equipment, we call it a talking book machine. And it is intended for people who have multiple disabilities, as well as for blind and visually impaired people. Um, It's a simple to operate thing. We provide it to the persons with no cost. And if it breaks, we ask them to send it back to their network library. And then they get another one and we fix the one that broke. So the idea is to maintain that equipment for all of our patrons and make sure that they always have access to it. It's a it's a simple device. Um, it looks a little different than most kinds of playback equipment because it's intended to be good with high contrast. It's got Braille on it. It's got the ability to actually operate it with a mouth stick if you don't have a, you know aren't able to use your hands. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have arthritis or something, it, it we've made it easy for people to use it that way as well.
0: That's great. And I saw on your site that you um you all have a bill reader that people can do a currency.
1: We do. We have a project in conjunction with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and we are helping them to distribute currency readers to anyone in the United States who can't see what, what kind of money they have in their hand. So if you have a, a vision problem that makes it difficult for you to see you know, the denominations of your money, you take this little bill reader thing, something that you can put on your keychain, and you just slide the corner of the money into it and it will read out to you what kind of money, whether you've got a 1 or a 5 or a 20 or a 10 or whatever, available at no cost to, to anyone who applies who is eligible via a vision
0: disability. Yeah, because that, that, that's one of the downsides of, the, of our currency is that they're all the same size. <laughs> you can't tell by they're just feeling
1: them. They are. That's very true.
0: Um, can you tell people, uh, the listeners, about what BARD is?
1: Bard is our download service. It, it is restricted to eligible people um, who have been certified, you know, been registered with our program. It allows you to download books and magazines, uh, audio and braille, from the download service. And you can use a computer to do it. Um, you can use a, an app that we created for the computer to do it. We call Bard Express. Or you can use a mobile device such as an iPhone or an Android device or a, a Fire tablet, something like that. Um, and then you can, we have apps on those devices so that you can actually read the book on your iPhone or your Android device. That's great. It's very popular with, with a lot of our people. Um, we add, we have about, as I said, about 110 or 120,000 items on there adding up. You know, adding more everyday magazines and, um, and books. It's one of the great advantages of the digital era is that you can actually get a book whenever you want it without having to wait for it because the alternative, of course, is to have our network library mail you a cartridge that has the book on it, um, which, of course, has to go through the mail service and that takes more time.
0: Right. So... Tell listeners about the um, network libraries if they don't know about that.
1: Sure. The network libraries are, we started out in 1931 as a program of the Library of Congress, but we knew that we weren't able to reach out into the communities to, to serve the people who needed service. And so we started out in 1931 contracting or agreeing with about 19 public libraries Public Library, the New York Public Library, the Braille Institute, San Francisco, big public libraries. And over the years, more and more libraries have joined the program so that now we have a library in every state and territory um, or, and library service in every state and territory. And some of them are housed in state libraries. In fact, 42 of our regional libraries are Forty-three something in that range are, are housed in state libraries and supported with state and uh, state, federal, and some local funding. Some of them are housed in in uh, public libraries. A lot of county libraries in some parts of the country house some of our libraries. Some of them are in rehabilitation agencies. The one I um, was librarian for in Iowa is actually in the uh, rehabilitation agency there. And there are several others that are in that kind of a place. Um, and these libraries take traditionally have taken the books, the braille books, and the audio books that we have produced, and also the machines that we have provided, and house them, maintain the collections, and circulate them then to the patrons. And so they have multiple um responsibilities obviously throughout the country um and and they're in different settings so some of them are big like urban libraries for example andrew high school library in new york city where they have a lot of walk-in traffic a lot of people that come in um physically but then there are a lot of others that are in places where they are uh, primarily operate over the phone and through the mail they as i said how's the how's the uh, collection provide all of the service one of the really nice things about nls and our network libraries is that we are not a bookstore we are not um you know an online bookstore we are a library per se so we have reader advisors who is their job is to talk to the patrons find out what the patrons like to read help them to find the material that they like to read and then make sure that they get it a lot of our patrons are older folks, and they have lost vision or become otherwise disabled um, in older age. And they have a lot of things to deal with, and it's been a challenge for them sometimes to find the books that they want. And so these reader advisors are are a tremendous help to them in terms of helping them find the kinds of things that they like. And if they find something or they get something they don't like, A, they don't read it, but B, they can tell their reader advisor, don't ever send me anything else by you know, this person or that person. So it's a lot of very personal service.
0: That's great. So how else can um, librarians out there, public librarians or other librarians throughout the the various states, how can they help to promote the service?
1: A couple of things. One is primarily that we know that librarians We are librarians. We know this can be true, that we like to help people. We like to make sure that they get the services that can give them access to the printed text. Most people, most librarians particularly throughout their career at some point or other are going to come upon somebody who can benefit from the service. It might be someone in their personal lives, a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or, you know, a nephew or somebody. Um, It might be somebody that walks in the door. It might be, and very often is, some of the longtime patrons of the libraries, the public libraries, who have gone through the whole large print collection, and even that's become difficult for them to read. They're looking for more help. They're looking for something else to read. What the librarians can do is help people get signed up for our service, who uh, they think are eligible for it. And part of it is just to understand that you don't have to be totally blind in order to use the service. In fact, most uh, a majority of the people that we serve aren't totally blind. They have some vision loss mm-hmm. or they have some other you know, qualifying disability, such as dyslexia or some physical disability. Um, so what librarians can do, and we hope that they will do, is to reach into that toolbox of resources that they they have and have one of those resources be the national library service so that when they come across a patron who they are serving, who might possibly be able to use NLS that they would alert, uh, tell them about it, that they would have researched where the network library is closest to their area and would be able to get signed up. This goes for school librarians as well as public librarians, because a lot of times students um, are able are eligible for libraries or library service as well when they're coming into their school libraries and maybe it's a dyslexia issue for them, or maybe, you know, they've got a vision loss that is not total blindness, but it, they, they have some noticeable difficulty reading. Um, these services are available to those, to them, and so what we need from public librarians, and what they're very good about doing um, in general, the ones who know about us, is telling, telling potential patrons about us, helping them get signed up.
0: And I also like on your site you've got a lot of educational resources that people, if they want to learn more just about blindness or vision impairment in general, just they can go and find a lot of links there.
1: We do. We have actually a, a reference staff whose job is to create some some like finding aids and um, resource guides on various topics related to disability and blindness. And we post those on our website and we also make them available. Um, we have traditionally at least made them all available in print and in Braille. We're kind of sl- pulling back on the print printing of that to some extent just because, you know, save a tree. But um, we do make those types of things available. We, we update them every year or so to make sure that they've got all the current information. And we hope that people will go and, and look for those things and, and um, you know, t- take a look at them. We have things for for um, independent living for senior citizens, um, magnifying glasses, um, you know, Braille e-reader type material, just all, all different kinds of things that are that are available that can be beneficial to people who have um, the types of disabilities that we can provide service for. You know, it's a fabulous service. People really value it, and that it, to our public librarians and our school librarians and all of the librarians can help us to connect with the people who can benefit from it, the, the adults and the children that can benefit from the program, they can really do people some some tremendous good. And we would encourage them to, to do that as much as possible. There are a couple of easy ways to sign up um, and to get more information. One of them is an 800 number, which is 888, and then it's Read or 888-657-7323. And if you call that number, it will direct you actually to one of our network libraries where they would be able to um, answer your questions and and help you get started with signing up if that's what you're doing. There are also um, ways of doing that through our website, which is at www.loc.gov slash NLS. And there there's also a way to get more information and to sign up.
0: Yeah, that's great, and I hope um, everybody takes advantage of that and learns more about this service. Because yeah, I, I've referred people before to this because of the reasons that you said before. Kind of they they've moved through the large print collection, and their um, vision is um, low enough that they could qualify for the service, and so they, it opens up this whole new catalog to them.
1: Absolutely, and we're delighted to have them.
0: Um, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show today and uh, letting my listeners know all about the NNLS. Well, it's
1: been my pleasure, and, and uh, thank you very
0: much. All right, Have a good day. You too. Circulating Ideas is produced in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place of work or the place of work of guests. For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice, and help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Circa Ideas, or like the show's Facebook page. Theme music is by Pamela Clicka, and the logo is by Shandy Fry. Thanks for listening, and keep circulating your ideas.